You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. To honor all copyright restrictions, certain elements have been edited out of this message. Our scripture this morning comes to us from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, the book of Philippians, in chapter 3, by reading verses 4 through 11. Paul writes to the church, If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a member of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, I am blameless. But whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O oh God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. After my first ever sermon, I basically decided that I was never preaching again. When I was in college, I had the opportunity to take a course called Professional Ministries, and the course was with with our campus pastor, Reverend Dennis Toom, and during the course of that task, or of, of that class, we were given the opportunity to do several things we would have to do if we became pastors. So that class incorporated field education. We had to volunteer with two different ministries in the Sioux Falls metro area. We also had to lead a devotion for our class and lead a Bible study for our class. And yes, we even had to preach a sermon. And when it came time to the sermon unit, two or three of us, a class period, would preach a short message and then receive feedback from our peers and from our professor And honest to God, I cannot remember what my first sermon was, but I remember it going well enough. I remember enjoying what I was doing. I remember eating good feedback from my classmates and good feedback from Dennis Toom. And I felt overall that this has been a positive experience. And then Alex stood up. And then Alex read from Philippians 3 as I just did. And then Alex preached. I mean, he brought the word. It was by far one of the most amazing sermons I have ever heard. It's been 13 years, and I still remember part of it. 
Because Alex did what Paul did to the church in Philippi. He built himself up. He built his resume for why he should become a pastor, and then he turned it completely on its head and said that following Christ, that knowing Christ, was even better than all of that. His sermon was flawless. And of course, as the result of hearing a sermon on not comparing ourselves and seeking after Christ, I absolutely compared myself. And it wasn't good. Alex talked about how he was a part of a youth group his entire life, and now even then as a college student was paid staff at a church in youth ministry. I'm from a church that didn't have much of a youth group. We tried real hard, but it just wasn't to be. And at the time, I worked as a student manager of a coffee shop. Those two things aren't the same thing. Alex talked about how he had a natural ability to learn languages, how high school Spanish was so much fun for him, and now that he was taking Greek, it was coming so easy. I, on the other hand, may have been in Dr. Gregg's office crying because a a participle had personally attacked me during Greek class that day. Alex could preach. And I decided that day that I absolutely could not do that. I was never doing that again. I was not Alex. I was not Derek. I was not Lindsay. I did not have the gift. And the end result was that I felt about this tall. And like, looking back, I understand that I did it to myself. And that's probably not okay. But today, as we continue our movie sermon series, we're going to be talking about a movie where someone else is made to feel about this tall, but it's by other people, which is not okay for other reasons. In 2001, as movie theaters were just kind of getting back to normal, a new normal after COVID isolation, Disney released a bunch of movies to Disney+. And one of those movies was a movie called Encanto, And that movie is just the classic Disney movie musical with music from Lin-Manuel Miranda. And to quote a sermon from a few weeks ago, it for sure had bops and bangers on the soundtrack. The movie centers around the family Madrigal, a Colombian family that has been given these gifts and advantages, been given these reasons to brag about how cool they are, and they all come from one source. They all come from the family miracle, the family candle, this thing that made them Encanto, made them magical, made them special. After Pedro and Alma are forced to leave their home. And then Alma is widowed and she has three young triplets. A miraculous candle blasts away those that would do her harm. And then they give to her, the candle gives to her and to her children a home. Casita. A home with powers of its own. And every single one of the children receive these magical gifts. These encantos. And as the family grows, as more and more people join the family magical, as grandkids are born, everyone gets this magical, special gift through this wonderful ceremony with this big party. And after they take their vows to use their powers for good, they receive their gifts. And everyone celebrates. 
and they receive all that comes with their gift. Because of the gift that they are given, the house itself, Casita, gives them a room that matches their gift. They also get a door that's carved with their name and some representation of their gift. And in some small way, they also earn the love and admiration of Abuelo or Abuela Alma. So as the movie unfolds, we learn that all of these grandkids have all of these gifts, and Antonio, the youngest, is going to get his gift that day. And then there's Mirabelle. Mirabelle, all throughout the movie, that has been made to feel about this tall by her family and by her community because she is not in Canto. She is not magical. She is not enchanted. She is almost not even a part of the family. She has no gift, and everyone goes out of their way to make sure that she never forgets that she has no gift, that she is the odd one out, that she does not belong. The opening song is where where Mirabelle gives us all kinds of background into most of the family and their gifts, but during the end of the song, some inquisitive children push the issue about, well, yeah, that's cool, but Mirabelle, what's your gift? And Mirabelle tries, as she, as she may, to like deflect the question, but the kids are insistent, and finally, in this demand to know, the ugly truth is revealed. Let's take a look at how that happened. Mirabelle has no gift. And she tries her hardest to not be bothered by this fact. But it comes up over and over and over again in the movie. And like, take it from someone who's been there and felt that way, even if feeling this tall was done by my own doing, Trying not to be bothered by your gifting in comparison to someone else's gifting can be a very isolating and frustrating and soul-crushing place to be. What I think would have helped Mirabelle and me and, and us are the words of Scripture from the Apostle Paul. Mirabelle needed Paul's words. I have needed Paul's words. And maybe as you have come here today or joined us online, you need Paul's words. In our scripture this morning, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Philippians about a group of people that have made them to feel about this tall because of how they were living their faith. And like I want something to be made perfectly clear, the people that, that Paul was warning them about weren't following what Paul wanted. The Philippians were living their faith as Paul had instructed them, and bigger than that, how Jesus had revealed himself, you know, uh, uh, the way that Jesus has revealed us for us to live through the Gospels. They're being faithful to Jesus. But this group of people called the Judaizers, this group of Christians that just want things to be a little bit more Jewish, are making the Philippians feel so bad. They are attacking them relentlessly and telling them that they're not doing enough, that they're not in canto. They're not a part of what God is doing because they're not doing it the right way. And so Paul warns the Philippians to look out for them and not to be like them. 
Because not only are they wrong, they're dangerous. They're dangerous because they are taking their confidence in the flesh rather than finding their confidence in the gift of salvation that's been revealed by Jesus Christ. They're dangerous because they have a confidence in their own selves rather than in the gift of God that is working in their lives. They are trusting themselves over trusting the Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, is not the best way to live. And as a way to, like, make it go even further, Paul makes no secret of the fact that he has even more reason for confidence in the flesh. And so he lists out all of these things. He says that he was circumcised on the eighth day, which, by the way, is the requirement of the law. He is a member of the people of Israel, and more than that, he is a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He can trace his family lineage all the way back to his original tribe, which in the Jewish world is a big deal. He's a Hebrew among Hebrews. He was, as to the law, he was a part of the Pharisees. As to zeal, he was persecuting the church, and he was blameless under the ceremonial righteous law. But then Paul turns it on its head, and he says that it means nothing compared to what he now knows in Jesus. Every advantage that he has means nothing compared to the surpassing greatness which is found in Jesus. All of the earthly gifts that he has, all of the advantages he has, he calls nothing. He calls them literal waste because he has found his identity in Jesus Christ. He has found his confidence in Jesus Christ, and that means so much more. Mirabel cannot find her confidence in her gift because, you know, again, she doesn't have one. But the great thing about this movie is that she didn't need one to be exactly who her family needed her to be. I don't want to give away spoilers because the movie's a little under a year old and we're showing it tonight in our parking lot, so, you know, come. But suffice it to say that it is this giftless one, it is Mirabelle, who leads her family into some deep healing and leads her family into some meaningful conversations that are long overdue. And it is the giftless one who saves her family from losing their encanto, losing their gifts, losing their miracle. Just her, as she was, is the one that saves the day. And here's the miracle and the grace of Jesus Christ in our own lives is just us is enough to save the day. What I've learned since 13 years ago in in that college class is that I don't have to be Alex to stand here and preach the gospel. I don't have to be Alex to stand here in relative confidence and know that I know what I'm doing within reason. All I have to be is me. All I have to be is me. Me, how God made me. Me, how God called me. Me, how God gifted me. Mirabelle does not have to be her sisters Luisa or Isabella or even Abuela Alma to be a part of the family magical. She just is because she is. 
and you don't have to be anyone other than who you are. As God called and made and gifted you, even if we had reason to boast in the flesh, even if we had something to make ourselves look better or to justify our existence in some way, we would not need it. Because we have found all we need in Jesus Christ. We may not all have the same giftedness as someone that we admire or, let's just be honest, are intimidated by. We don't need to have the same gifting. When we follow Jesus, we have all we need. What the movie tells us and what I want you to know is that you are enough. You are enough of, the, of a gift to this church and a gift to the world, and all you need is all that has been offered to you in Jesus Christ. When you live the spiritual gifts that you have been given by the power of the Spirit, you are a part of the family. Not the family magical, which be, would be pretty cool, but you're a part of something even greater. You are a part of the family of God. You. Just as you are. You are a part of the family of God. Would you pray with me? Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for the way that you have moved in our lives, the way that you have called us to be your people, and the way that you have gifted us for service in your name. Help us to look at our different giftings not as a disqualification, but as the ultimate qualification. Help us to look at our different skills and see what are the ways we can serve you in the midst of it. Because that's the point. Our spiritual gifts aren't for us, they're for you. And so God, open us up to be in service to you. Open us up to be used by you. Help us to notice in and of ourselves our inherent and sacred worth given to us by you as pure gift. And then help us to look to the world and see where our gifts can make a difference in your world. And let all we do be for your glory and the advancement of your name your name in which we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.